What's up, boys and girls? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. Wanted to drop another podcast episode for you all tonight. I actually was going to listen to some podcasts on my walk tonight, uh, like I have been for the past several days. But uh, Atticus, my son, he said, hey, why don't you do a podcast while you're on walks? So I go, yeah, that's a good idea. So don't really have anything planned um, to talk about, but... Uh, I did want to bring up something that really kind of started uh, circulating in my mind over the past week or so. Sorry if y'all hear all the traffic uh, in the background because literally I'm on a walk right now. So uh, as per usual. But um, anyways, uh, something that I've been thinking about a lot recently has really kind of been uh, tipped off by uh, an auction that I won at an auction house about three or four days ago so and I'll get to that at the end of this I think if I remember (laughs) Um, but I wanted to talk about like the importance of uh, visuals in our hobby here Um, you know for instance like um, what's the most uh, beautiful card that you've seen like if you were to if you were to really sit down and think about it what would you say is the absolute most beautiful card that you've seen What's the absolute most beautiful card that you own? I'm talking about cards that like you could just appreciate the beauty and just like get lost and like just staring at for you know forever. Uh, those are the cards I enjoy the most and I appreciate the most. Uh, podcast or two ago, I talked about how um, you know there's a, a certain uh, set of parameters that have to be met for uh, certain cards that I keep in my collection in order for me to be absolutely wowed. Like having a great story, extreme rarity, uh, and beauty. Um, Those things mainly, like I just really, uh, when those converge for me, uh, I just get so much uh, pleasure out of owning cards like that. Um, Especially when it comes to, you know, being in my neighborhood. So. Obviously, my neighborhood is Kinseiko Cards and uh, Vintage. And so, obviously, more specifically, uh, pre-war, uh, uh, super key vintage stuff uh, with high eye appeal. Generally speaking, low grade. Uh, low to mid grade. So, um, if it checks all those boxes, I'm a happy camper. I, uh, and, and so, what that means is a lot of times is, yeah, the cards I go after are pretty pricey. Um, But the good news is uh, it's not like I have a card to go after every single day, (laughs) you know? I remember whenever I was super collecting Kinseiko, I would have, like, you know, I don't even, I'm not even joking, like, I would have uh, packages waiting for me, like, every day in the mailbox, like, two, three, four packages. Oh, here's one of one. Oh, this is a cool out of 50. This is an unnumbered autograph. Like, there's so many... Uh, because I was going after everything. And so it almost got to a point where it's like, you know, ah, not, the, the excitement was not really there. It was just like, oh, good, new cards. Look at them, set them off to the side. I don't ever want to buy something like that unless it's to resell or whatever. I want to buy something for my collection that I just look at and go, eh, okay, and put it off to the side. I want to have like an extreme desire uh, to own and excitement to own these cards I keep in my collection. So, um, you know, what that means is a lot of times is typically 
uh, leading the forefront for me on this is uh, the beauty of the cards. So, uh, you know, and I want to say that this does not just uh, uh, limit, uh, you know, I don't limit myself just to enjoying the super key Hall of Fame pre-war stuff or whatever. Like, <laughs> I just posted, posted something on social media the other day, like a smattering of A's cards from 1990 Upper Deck. The photography is just phenomenal. And it's incredible. Like, I just, I love looking at those cards. I don't have any right now, I don't think. I might have some in my garage, but, you know, they're just, uh, I don't consider them part of my collection because they always, like, uh, go through me and just kind of flow through me. I'll see... You know, probably hundreds of those types of cards, uh, of those specific cards, rather, uh, throughout my lifetime. So I'm not really too worried about keeping anything necessarily, uh, so to speak. So, uh, but when I do get them, I'm thankful to be able to look at them and and uh, look through them because it's nostalgia for me. You know, same thing goes for uh, Mother's Cookies cards. Like I, <laughs> I melt over thinking about those, and they're they're not rare. They're not like. Uh, wildly exciting but they're beautiful cards and there's a lot of nostalgia behind them for me like I remember and I've told this story before I'm going to tell it again a couple stories when it comes to Mother's Cookies there was a Nolan Ryan set if I remember correctly it was uh, I think 1990 Mother's Cookies they uh, put out a four card set of Nolan Ryan and we were tipped off that the second card of the four card set was the rarest for some reason. And we were also told what number of box in the uh, display piece or whatever number two would be. So uh, I remember my dad just getting a bunch of those. And uh, you know, it's kind of funny because I don't think if you have them up online now, I think the one of four will probably go for 75 cents and the two of four will probably go for 75 cents. As would the three of four and the four of four. I don't think they're really a big deal at all whatsoever, but it's kind of funny to think that, uh, you know, that was kind of like our connection with having like an in somehow, you know, like a, uh, knowing a tip and trick. We weren't, we weren't definitely not those guys uh, to have like a metal detector going through 91 Donner's cases. I mean, <laughs> I was, I was through the roof if I could have like one box. So it wasn't anything like that by any stretch of imagination. But I had just enough Mother's Cookies uh, boxes in the pantry to, you know, probably make my mom not too terribly happy with my dad. <laughs> um, but I do remember this other time, uh, which uh, my friends Nick and Brian, and Brian, by the way, which uh, I actually reconnected with for the first time in decades, uh, over this past year or so, I think, uh, on Facebook, which is great. Um, he was a, he and his brother, they were diehard Giants fans. They lived like four houses down. And, uh, you know, they, they loved Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell. And uh, so, of course, I was an A's guy. I loved Conseco McGuire and obviously especially Conseco. And they, they would call him, hey, Jose can strike out, you know, because that's just uh, what you did with a fun little healthy rivalry. Um, and, uh, you know, Matt and Anthony down the street even further were, were diehard uh, Dodgers fans, you know, so we were all California kids that just loved our Bay Area teams and, well, California teams, I guess you could say. Uh, I don't think there were really any 
Angels or Padres fans that I can think of, to be honest with you. But A's, Giants, Dodgers, we're talking like late 80s, early 90s. That was perfect timing for those teams. Um, but anyway, so Nick and Brian had me come over and uh, like, hey, Tanner, guess what? Like, what? Like, we got something you might be interested in. Like, okay, what's going on? And, uh, and it's very possible that maybe this happened at my house. No, 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 I think I was over there first. They pull out a Conseco Mother's Cookies card that I'd never seen before. It's like, oh man, I love it. And they held it over my head like, <laughs> we got something that you don't, you really, uh, I mean, and let's be honest, I mean, they, <laughs> they had a lot more of everything than I did. Like it was, you know, I didn't really have much at all, but, uh, but that one could say, I really wanted it so bad. And uh, they were just like, oh, no, look what you're not getting. And so it's like, oh, man. And so we ended up going over to my house. And uh, we're all in my room looking at baseball cards. My dad says, hey, Tanner, guess what? I got a mother's cookies uh, box for you here. And I pulled out this card. And so I looked at it, and it was Will Clark. It was a Will Clark that they did not have. <laughs> it was like, hey, Nick and Brian, take a look at this. And like, oh man, Will Clark, we really want that one. So I don't remember exactly how the deal went now, but no doubt we did a deal. Uh, and my goodness, like <laughs> it's fun to, to you know, look at like Mother's Cookies cards, for example, and looking at them is kind of like a key to unlocking memories from my childhood. Um, and my gosh, I mean, again, like I said, they're just beautiful cards. Uh, the same thing goes for, uh, it's the only card that I own now from my childhood. It is a, I think it's a 1989 Mother's Cookies Conseco uh, that is bent up. It's uh, pretty bent to death. Um, probably would get a one or two. Uh, if I send it off to PSA or SGC, um, <laughs> and uh, you know it was it was fun uh, because I actually did a trade with uh, somebody named Tony, who was a friend of mine from Little League, from when I was a child, and you know, I'll tell you it was it was really kind of uh, uh, an exciting thing to be able to trade like face to face with somebody uh, and. No monetary, uh, uh, you know, value whatsoever, really. But these were our life treasures, right? So, really excited about doing trades and stuff. And I thought it was a rookie of his, but come to find out, it wasn't. It was uh, like a tribute kind of card. So it wasn't the '86 Mother's Cookies like I thought it was. It was the '89 that looked like it was an '86. Um, I was disappointed, of course. But uh, I do know now, uh, like, what it is, obviously. And I have it uh, as the only card from my childhood. There's, And I don't know how it has survived being in my collection because I've literally sold or traded away everything else uh, when it comes to cards uh, over the years. So it's kind of a fun piece uh, that I hopefully will keep forever. Um, do I regret getting rid of some from my childhood? Yeah, kinda, you know, but I, I kind of lived in this uh, headspace of everything's replaceable and, uh, and you know, memories are the things that are important. So it's been, it's been good. So, uh, but anyways, 
even so when it comes to like going back to the the importance of of uh, visuals when it comes to baseball cards not just the cards themselves y'all like i also love the packs i'm going to kind of uh uh wax poetic over wax packs for a second if you uh if you can indulge me but uh so 89 donors like i want you all to think about this so if you can if you can remember what these look like uh they're kind of uh pink and blue or purple and blue uh wax paper that covered these 89 donors cards and as kids we didn't really care too terribly much about the packs but right now i care way more about like having packs than the actual cards themselves um but 89 donors like to be honest with you like i just think the whole set is just a great looking set um i think it's one of donors's better uh efforts um and uh same goes for uh let's say like 89 fleer remember the gray and white stripes on the uh, front of the packs and uh, yeah I just I love the look of these packs I'm so thankful that these cards are so plentiful like I've been I ended up selling like all of my wax uh, collection I had a great wax collection uh, before the pandemic or right at the beginning of the pandemic and I lost a lot of money I made money off of the uh, off the wax myself but I lost money because uh, Almost every single box skyrocketed right after <laughs> I sold. <laughs> I know you've heard me say this before a number of times, and you'll probably hear it several more times because uh, it's just kind of part of the part of the way that this hobby goes. Um, but you know, it's been fun to uh, to be able to look at these uh, wax packs and wax boxes again. And so I want to eventually get some. Maybe I'll maybe I'll put some of those on my Christmas list or something. Um, and because uh, I'd like to have like a card shop looking setup, like something that's reminiscent of a card shop where you uh, have like a wax box sitting on a desk uh, or a shelf rather with um, the lip tucked in behind the packs. And I remember, I'm not sure exactly how it worked for your local card shop when you're growing up, but for me in California, all the places what they would have is they'd have like a cutout. Um, neon poster board that would have the price written big per pack as well as a list of the key cards that you could pull you know which is kind of fun so uh you know all nostalgic to me i mean i just really i love these wax packs and wax boxes 90 score by the way some more beautiful packs i remember they were kind of like a uh uh i don't know what you call them like a, I, I just like a, a plastic uh kind of wrapping so they were different than the wax packs but the packs themselves were bright yellow and they had like a uh, a baseball graphic on the front of like a catcher and an umpire i'm kind of doing this by by memory i don't recall exactly what's on the front but uh uh you know great great looking packs right there same thing with like upper deck like i can just uh <laughs> i could feel like i could just i can smell them while i'm telling you this stuff like a 90 upper deck 89 upper deck. 89 upper deck was uh, was probably a little too rich for my blood back then. But uh, 90 upper deck. I, I did get a few packs, but not much. But 90 upper deck. 91 upper deck. The foil, like <laughs> the foil packs. I remember 90 upper deck. I think has uh, green on the packs themselves, and just uh, magnificently packaged. You know, it's kind of funny. I'm actually uh, friends with uh, with one of the main uh, creators 
of Upper Deck. His name's Tom. Uh, we talk every now and then, and uh, he actually, uh, you know, we, we used to play this, uh, uh, had to head this like online word game with each other uh, quite a bit, uh, like every night, like uh, <laughs> for quite a while. And uh, it was fun. It's, it's been like a year or two, I guess, since we since we've done that. But I, I posted the uh, 90 Upper Deck uh, A's cards on Facebook. Tom chimed in. He goes, hey, uh, I created those cards. And it's kind of fun to you know, to know these people uh, now. That's the, the beauty of the Internet, I guess, right? You can connect with all kinds of different people out there, which has been just a blast. But um, anyway, so, uh, so yeah, it doesn't just run for me with, like, high-end 90s and 2000s parallels or like the super high-end new knobs and and barrels or or the you know ty cobbs and babe ruth's or whatever you know like uh there is a a lot of love that i have for uh the time period that i grew up the 80s and 90s and the junk wax era that i affectionately call it and many others affectionately call it as well or maybe not so affectionately call it um but i just love 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 those packs the boxes and uh another card like even just the the cards themselves like i have so so many good memories for uh 88 fleer and 87 fleer and i'm just gonna tell this story again i remember uh uh my dad and i going to the baseball card shop and uh he uh we go over up to the uh up to the the counter and you know, you know how it is in baseball card shops. Sometimes you'll have these high rollers, and they they buy a pack of cards and they open it up there uh, at the counter for everybody to see and gawk at their uh, their you know, treasures that they pulled, right? You know. And so apparently, my dad wanted a piece of the action, so he looks up. He's like, "Hey, Ronnie," because uh, Ronnie was the uh, uh, dealer there. He he went to our church. He goes, "Give me a pack of A7 Fleer." And I look at my dad like, oh, my gosh, mom's going to kill him because it was a $7 pack. You know, that was a that was a big deal, big deal to us. $7. And like it was even an even bigger deal to me. Uh, and I guess that was 1990 or so. So I was about 10, 9 or 10 years old, depending on what part of the of, uh, uh, year it was. And so... He decides to do the uh, to do the whole uh, uh, open it up uh, right in front of everybody. I'm like, oh my gosh! And so we're we're uh, going through the pack and everything. And so uh, he uh, he opens them up, and I'm going to you know I, I'm I'm going to just kind of free freestyle it here. But uh, you know, first card, Andy Van Slyke. You know, okay, well you know he's pretty good. Ozzy, Ozzy Smith, no, Ozzy Virgil. Okay, okay, all right, okay. Rick Honeycutt, huh? All right. Well, he plays for the A's now, so that's kind of cool. And then uh, Carney Lansford. Hey, hey, another A's guy. Hey, we love Carney Lansford, but still not really worth uh, much. It's certainly not enough to recoup the seven dollars. And then uh, you know you keep going down. Gary Templeton. Okay. Nick Asaski. Uh, okay, we're almost uh, we're almost done now. What's going on? You know, so card after card uh, uh, that he puts down on the counter. Come to find out, there's absolutely nothing. The best card was probably uh, the sticker that was in it. And 
was like, oh my gosh. And so maybe you guys, I think we're doing a little bit of, of therapy here for, uh, for me, uh, just maybe I'll talk this out uh, to kind of like dig into my past. Maybe that's why I'm, I don't have a problem, a wax problem like so many of you all uh, uh, wax addicts do <laughs> when it comes to opening a product because like right then and there as a nine or 10 year old, I, uh, I see my dad crumbling <laughs> under the weight of a $7 pack yielding absolutely nothing. <laughs> and that was like a small fortune to me. It was probably maybe a little bit of a small fortune to him too, uh, back then come to think of it. But uh, anyways, I don't remember the aftermath uh, of what happened, but I'm sure uh, uh, mom and dad had a good talk after that. Mom being the uh, controller of the finances in the family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'll tell you what, I'm a big proponent of buying singles. And uh, I always, always have been. Like, I, when I first got into, got back into this hobby, I, uh, you know, back in like 2006, 2007 or so, um, there are some boxes where I would buy, like I'd buy a box for my birthday or something. Like a box of uh, 2008 Allen & Ginter or something. 2007 Allen & Ginter. Uh, and going like wow, man, I can get like two relics and an autograph. And I remember being so excited about it. And the, the two relics I got, one was, and remember this is back when relics were a big deal also. Um, we're still a big deal. Uh, the relics I got was like flannel from a duck collar and uh, like, you know, somebody that goes duck hunting but has like a call that's like specialized for it or whatever. And a, a flannel from like, or a shirt, plaid shirt from like a bowler. Like, man, I don't care about this stuff. I want baseball, you know, <laughs> what the heck? And the autograph was like of uh, some lady. I don't remember anymore either, but like it was, it was just really disappointing. I go like, well, shoot, the heck was that for? Like I paid a good amount of money. I just got these, <laughs> but it is after all my birthday, you know, so it's okay. I can splurge, you know? And so like I, uh, one year I got like a box of uh, Top's Finest and, you know, another year I got a box of SP Authentic and, um, you know, I pulled a few good cards in my day, but, you know, nothing really. Like, never anything remote, uh, remotely like a one of one or anything like that at all. Uh, my best deals have come for sure by uh, buying collections. But anyway, so, uh, you know, <laughs> we've talked a lot about, uh, especially this past week, about, uh, uh, you know, in the hobby, in the community in general. Um, about uh, you know the ingenuity, the uh, the spirit of competition when it comes to uh, creating cards. That competition breeds ingenuity and innovation. And so, how we don't really have that right now. But in spite of not having that, I think Tops has put out some amazing things. Um, I just think they sit on a certain product and really kind of I don't want to say bleed it dry because there's always buyers for it and. You know, if I'm if I'm the CEO of Tops, I'm I'm probably doing the same thing that they're doing. Uh, you know, if there are buyers, I will continue to make product. You know, because I and so I completely get that, and I don't uh, discount them uh, one bit for doing so. Uh, as far as collectors go, though, um, from the collector perspective, I can understand how that would be a little draining because it gets a little draining on me. Uh, the buybacks, for instance, and I've harped on this before. Uh, the buybacks being uh, like let's say an 87 tops Kinseiko. Uh I remember like the first run was in 2015 I think there was like a print run of like 
19 or 23 or something, you know. So you, you think, man, I've got something special here. You know, something really cool. Uh, it's, a, it's a card that's numbered uh, very low, and it's an iconic card. And, you know, you're really happy to have it. But then the next year they pull out the same card and they number it to 97. And they parade the same card over again in the next year. And the next year, and the next year, and the next year. I think, I could be wrong, but I think that they have uh, put out one form of buyback of A7 Tops Conseco for uh, every year for the past six or seven years, um, if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, it's just not really fun uh, to be able to see that because if you have something that's lower serial numbered and they keep pulling it out again, like it loses its specialness, if that makes sense. You know, so it's just kind of a, kind of a frustrating thing but uh you know every company is with its faults and you can't really necessarily fault them um or maybe you can i don't know but when it comes to the fanatics coming in i uh, and i talked about this on youtube uh but I'll, I'll you know kind of segue into saying this as well is that there are people that yesterday <laughs> uh figuratively speaking were dumping on tops but today again figuratively speaking they're thinking Fanatics could be the worst thing ever. We want to keep tops around. How, how dare they get rid of tops? So Darren Ravel, what he said um, about a week ago in a tweet was that apparently this merger, this massive merger that tops is going to do with another company, I guess that tops is going to like bring tops through the roof, you know, and, and all this. But because Fanatics ended up uh, taking the license over, which starts in like 2026 or whatever, Apparently, tops uh, dropped, uh, th their value dropped significantly. And the thought is that maybe Finax is going to purchase tops. So, as collectors, we've gone from thinking, oh no, uh, tops like the refractor stuff, the Bowman Chrome rookie cards, uh, all these types of special cards that we've uh, spent uh, years and years and years loving and adoring and collecting are going to be no more. Well, if Fanax buys Tops, my thinking is that Tops is going to continue. But let's go down further down this rabbit hole. Uh, I believe that Fanax is going after a license for MLB, uh, as well as NFL, NBA, and maybe some other things, but I don't really care about the others. I don't really care much about uh, NFL or NBA either. However, if they do, imagine if they purchase uh, Panini and Upper Deck as well. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they can. But, like I said, go down this rabbit hole with me for a second. Think about this. What if Fanatics owns Tops, uh, Panini, and Upper Deck? So, what does that mean? That means that we can have all kinds of fun licensed retro cards. Not just the Tops flagship years from like A6, A7, 63, 64, and all this, all this stuff that we've been so accustomed to for years and years and years now. I'm talking about fully licensed rated rookie cards. I'm talking about fully licensed, uh, possibly score cards. You know, because uh, I think uh, who owns? Uh, I think Panini might own score. Um, you know, fully licensed uh, Fleer uh, throwback cards, because I think uh, Upper Deck owns Fleer, if I remember correctly. Um, fully licensed uh, throwback 89 Upper Deck Star Rookie cards. I mean, this could be really, really cool. 
this could be a really exciting time for us. Now, the one question I've had, especially for my uh, YouTube subscribers that they've uh, voiced a concern of is like, well, if they're all under the same umbrella, um, this doesn't breed competition through innovation uh, or innovation through competition rather um, because it's all going to be coming un under the same umbrella. Well, I think that's possible. However, uh, however, I do think that it is very possible that innovation can come through this uh, anyways, in spite of being under the same umbrella because there are people that are fighting for their jobs. There are people that are fighting to keep brands alive. You know, so this is a very heartfelt thing for a lot of people. I mean, could you imagine if you held uh, on your shoulders the fate of the FLIR brand? You know, like <laughs> how, uh, how much would you invest in your life to make sure that that brand continued or revived to be a strong brand? Uh, I don't know about you. I would put my, my heart and soul into it. I would make sure that I lived up to uh, the famous Fleer name, you know, but like even imagine like these retro, <laughs> going back to the retro feeling, like imagine licensed retro uh, crusade cards uh, or any other number of 90s uh, parallels and inserts. I think it would be really cool. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens, but in all of it goes, it comes back down to is what we like looking at right <laughs> the visuals you know so uh that's what gets me excited about about uh all this as well i couldn't you know like his tops has done a great job even with like uh bringing back uh certain versions of tops finest uh, for throwbacks and they look beautiful there's some uh some fan favorites for sure some collector favorites for sure um so anyways we'll see what happens there's a lot, lot, lot that could happen in the next three or four years. You know, uh, our hobby could be decimated to a tenth of what it is now, or it could be, it could skyrocket to 10 times what it is now. And I will, as I always do, leave you with a positive note on this. Uh, and there is a lot of money, a lot of money, my friends, going into these cards from Fanatics. And MLB is apparently going to have a stake in them as well. Where money, where boatload of money flows from very smart people, you gotta think that they see something, that they see the start of some sort of a revolution that's gonna happen uh, in our hobby. So it's very, uh, very exciting to see it. It's, uh, I'm feeling very, very, very optimistic about this. Uh, and again, it doesn't really affect me terribly too much because I don't really go after new cards. However, um, it's, uh, it's fun to be able to see this hobby thrive. And for me, um, I, <laughs> my, my long held belief is once you, uh, uh, it, a lot of people will go through this, uh, through this routine, they will fall in love with the cards that they grew up with. Generally speaking, the junk wax era, they'll, uh, their eye will be caught by the flashy stuff of uh, today's cards. And then they'll come back to vintage and they'll go, wow, this is art. This is history. This is uh, unbelievable how we can own pieces like this. Um, so uh, 
with that, I will segue into my final piece here because I'm really excited to uh, be able to share what my latest piece is I have. It's actually incoming, so it's not here yet. Um, but uh, <laughs> as I told you all, I think a while ago, I was watching two cards very, very hard uh, for a month at an auction house, and I failed miserably on them. I went really high. The owners, the new owners of them, went way, way, way higher, <laughs> which is uh, really, it was probably good for me to see this because it made me realize, well, I wasn't just like pennies underneath or whatever from winning something, right? Uh, but uh, another auction house ended on a card that uh, I really love um, a few nights ago. And so basically here's, here's what happened. So I've talked about this card before because I've had it in the past. And, uh, you know, so I, I know that you've, you've heard me, you've heard me talk about this. It's the, uh, uh, the T206 Ty Cobb. There's four of them, right? So there's the red background. There's the green background. There's the bat on shoulder and there's the bat off shoulder. Uh, so they're all great cards. The red is the most popular, but it's probably, or it's definitely the easiest to obtain. Um, there's significantly more out there. Um, but because of how many there are out there, it's, it's like known as the, or has been known at least, as the card to get. Um, as, the, as the definitive Ty Cobb card, basically, in the T206 set. Um, not the most valuable, but whenever somebody that is not into vintage and they see a T206 Cobb card, they probably think the red one. I think, anyways. Um, it's not nearly my favorite card. I've never gone after it either. Um, I have been a big fan of two of them. Uh, not really a big fan of the, the bat on shoulder. I love the green background version, the green background portrait, which has been long seen in, in past like three or four years as a blue chip investment. Like that card continually goes up. The green background is beautiful. Everybody wants that card. It's uh, significantly rarer than the red background. And uh, like, yeah, if you're into vintage, you want a green background uh, Tycob T206. Um, but the one that I really, really love, that's probably my favorite, yeah, it definitely is my favorite actually, <laughs> is the bat off shoulder. And if you, if that doesn't come to your mind immediately what this is, I challenge you to look it up. T206 Tycob bat off. Look up that term and see what's out there. And this card is absolute art. It, as a matter of fact, I would venture to say that it could be in the running for the most beautiful baseball card ever created in the history of baseball cards. It is that beautiful. The colors, uh, the way that Cobb was, was done, I mean, just everything about that card is perfect. I had one of those in a PSA one or SGC one, I don't recall. I think it was SGC one actually. Uh, I ended up getting rid of it in my mass sell off in uh, February or March of 2020. And it's just one of those cards where I always want to get one back. The problem is, is all the cards uh, from that time period have skyrocketed since then, which is kind of frustrating. Um, yeah, so <laughs> like we're talking like three, four, five times uh, what they were before and I think I had $1,200 into that card and it just became significantly more expensive um, but 
I did a full podcast, if I remember correctly, <laughs> debating whether I should uh, go for a bat off or a green. And so a buddy of mine ended up having a green. And uh, so I ended up buying from him. Uh, it was an SGC 1.5. And the front has like a, a little bit of a, a splat, spatter or something like that looks like on the front of it. Uh, no creases. The green is beautiful, it's deep, it's bright. The registration's fabulous. There's like a tiny little uh, piece of paper loss right in the middle of the back of the card, which is exactly what I go for when it comes to uh, damage. I go for the beauty, the visual of the front. Uh, so I actually prefer back damage. And uh, so anyways, I ended up having that. I, I bought that, I think, probably about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and those cards skyrocketed, so thankfully I got that one before it skyrocketed. Um, but ever since, I just kind of feel like, you know, man, with as nice as the green is, with as much hype as everybody has into that card, like everybody, everybody, everybody loves the green back, the green background portrait of Cobb. They love that card, and I do too, but for me, the bat off is the winner. Uh, heads and shoulders above literally any other T206 card and any other, uh, and I'm talking obviously in terms of beauty because look, if I get a chance between a Cobb bat off and a Wagner, obviously I'm taking a Wagner, <laughs> you know, because it's uh, uh, 11 billion times more expensive. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, but it's just uh, such a beautiful card. So I ended up, uh, throwing a bid early at this auction house. I was outbid like within a week. Uh, three weeks more to go, I just watch it. And then so I got an email saying, hey, uh, this is about to end. So I go, you know what, I think I can push this up. So I'm gonna push this bid up a hundred higher than what it is now just to, just to kind of, you know, see what'll happen. Well, come to find out I was the winner. And uh, it's like, wow, okay. So there's an SGC2 and uh, man, it is, just a gorgeous card. The coloring, the registration, the centering, everything is just amazing on this card. So I'm like super, super, super excited about this. And so this is the card, like it's just like a nice reminder for me. Uh, <laughs> this is the feeling I want whenever I get a card in. And obviously, you know, not all of uh, the cards I get excited about have to be so expensive. Um, like I said, I can, I can, uh, you know, just drool and like gush over 1990 score rookie and traded cards. I love the bright orange borders and the you know, yellow inner uh, pinstriping or whatever, the inner border. Like I just, uh, matter of fact, I think the 90 score rookie and traded Frank Thomas might be a, you know, <laughs> a dollar card or $2 card. But in my opinion, it's like, it's just beautiful, like ridiculously beautiful. I love it. I love the A7 Donner's trade rookies of Greg Maddox, Bo Jackson, and Mark McGuire. Um, not really expensive cards, but they're beautiful, you know? And, and so, anyways, I mean, so all that to say, you know, I'm not really uh, only one to get excited over super expensive cards. It's just, uh, but this is the feeling that I want to chase when it comes to uh, bringing cards in my collection. And it's probably something that you should think about as well. Like if you're, throwing all kinds of money at something that you really don't care about too terribly. Do you really want to do that? Do you want to change gears? 
Should you change gears? Should you try something else? Should you focus on only cards that you really, really love? Just something to think about. But anyways, I guess that's all for tonight. Um, I'm actually about to, uh, I finished my little two mile walk, so I'm about to come back, uh, come back home. But um, yeah, if you have any thoughts, please feel free to reach out to me. TanmanBaseballFan at gmail.com. Twitter at TanmanBBFan. And uh, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash TanmanBaseballFan. Thank you all for listening. Have a great night.